Being handicapped or disabled can feel like you're moving forward in reverse. I'm your host, Scott Norton. Join me and my new friends from this underrepresented community as we talk about disrupting the status quo and creating change within the world and within ourselves. Hey, life's a road trip. Hop in. Let's turn on some tunes and go. With me in the passenger seat of managing the radio for this road trip is Brooke Milhouse. The simple intro of Brooke goes something like this. Brooke is a podcaster, disability advocate, and adaptive CrossFit athlete. Born with one arm, Brooke knew she was different from a young age, but it was in those years she rejected the offer of prosthetic arm and embraced her true self. Now, my best summary is, uh, of Brooke is a quote that I found on her Instagram account, and it goes like this. Even if a mountain is high, there is still a path to the top. That nails it. That nails it. Hi, Brooke. How you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Good. I, first thing's got to be a question for you is, how was the coronation? Really bizarre. Re- like a <laughs> really bizarre event. Like, I mean this with all the love of my heart, but Charles is quite old coming onto the throne. So like, he's not necessarily going to see 10 years on the throne. So I know oh. this event is going to happen again. So I was like, okay, like it's kind of cool, but... Like it's gonna happen again soon, so I'm not really that enthralled by it. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Well, my wife Sue and I were over in London uh, shortly after the Queen passed, and we were. They had yet to announce when the coronation was going to be, and before we went out on the trip, uh, we were worried that that was going to start happening or things are going to happen while we were there. And oh my god! But there were plenty of uh, good protests going on in London, and we enjoyed that quite a bit. you guys do interesting time for like it it is (laughs) well between our two countries my god we're all pissed off at everything i think that's everybody the world over though like yeah everybody's pissed off all the time so (laughs) gotta leave them to it hey have you come across or heard about the may edition of the uh, british vogue uh the article was titled reframing fashion and did you see that yeah, and the the five covers were all so there was five separate covers, and each one yes. was a disability advocate, which is just incredible. And I think they really smashed it out of the park with that one, especially I, considering this is going to be the only, this is the first ever edition that they've done that you can get it in Braille, and it's also auditory oh. as well. So this is the first time it's ever been done, and um, they're hoping to keep that up, which would be genuinely incredible for the disabled community, like. How amazing would that be to have Vogue in Braille or like you can have it all auditory, that that would be unbelievable. So yeah, I think they've done some really incredible work there. Yeah. I I have to tell you, when I started the podcast, I was mentioning that I view the disabled, I did, I viewed the disability community as being rather quiet, but the more I dig into it, and especially when I talk with my guests and I do readings like that, what you were just talking about, about Vogue. Um, Mattel on some of the things that they're doing uh, on the gap with their advertising, what they're doing. I think it changed my mind. It's, it's coming around. It still has a long way to go to gain strength and momentum, but it's little things like what we do on our shows and what happens on British Vogue. Someone had the decision, made the decision to do that. That wasn't that easy. No, and it's true. And I think, 
it's a really interesting one, isn't it? Because we scream and shout how far we have to go. But yes. we also need to look at how far we've come. And that's also a really unpopular thing to say because there's still so much progress to go. But we also need to take yeah. a step back and realise that there has been progress. But like traditionally progress in any society does take a long time. It's just that we live in a society today that moves so quickly and we are so used to instant gratification that we find it hard when it's not immediately given. And that's mm-hmm. something that everybody has to juggle with. But, you know, as the disabled community, when we can see that it's not necessarily quick progress, that's when it's a problem. Yeah, exactly. Now, I want to talk about you. In the opening, <laughs> I, I read, don't get worried, <laughs> uh, that you were offered a use of a prosthetic arm and you just said no. Uh, why'd you turn it down? Um, so I really struggled with prosthetics. Like I just, uh, they're, they're not me. They're not a part of me. It was something that I was attaching Mm -hmm. to myself to fit into society. And I couldn't, I couldn't understand that. I couldn't understand why I needed to attach something that to me was incredibly false to fit in Mm. because that's not me and that's not a part of me. So why do I need that extra thing? to fit in I like I couldn't comprehend it I also was really young I didn't have the language to say that so I was just like no like it's it's just not for me um and I think that that's been like my whole like the way I am with everything like if it's false and it doesn't feel like it fits then it's a no and I just never wanted to wear something that was like cumbersome and uncomfortable and didn't even look particularly real to fit in. So for it was never going to work for me. It was never going to be a viable option. <laughs> it was, a, it was a hook, right? So I was, so I was born in Australia and my parents didn't know that I was going to be disabled. So like, I, here I am, I've arrived in the universe and they had not a notion. And what my mum was told was that at age, like at age seven, she'll get a steel claw okay. and that'll be like the best that we can do. Um, had I been born with like a heart problem, I would have been at the perfect side of the world because cardiology was incredible in Australia at the time, but I wasn't, I was born with an arm missing. So it wasn't Mm. the best place and, um, ended up moving back to the UK to try prosthetics and just to get the best that was, was on offer essentially. Um, and then it got to like age five. And I was like, I, I don't enjoy wearing this. These appointments are weird and uncomfortable and having someone prod my arm isn't necessarily the nicest experience. And having your arm wrapped in plaster casts and then being drawn mm. on to show where the muscles are. And I just didn't enjoy that experience. And I also just didn't think that I needed it. Like, what was I putting it on for? I was taking it off when I was at school. Like I just didn't need it. And also they weren't very functional back then you know, the way that they would open and close would literally be like an open, open hand and close hand. And naturally, you don't actually use that movement a lot in every day. So it was pointless for me. Mm. I get here's here's the tougher one, because it, it sounds like, you know, what, you, what you're talking about is in elementary school. Kids are one way in elementary school, but a totally different way in middle school or. Hello. Oh, oh. Cause you were walking around with just one arm. Did you hide mm-hmm. things? Okay. Um, I, I had a guest and actually his show is going to drop 
tomorrow, Chris Rudin. And um, he went through things like that uh, on how he viewed himself or how others treated him. So I take it then that in those intermediate years as a preteen, so to speak, you were just comfortable with yourself. But do you think that maybe some of who you are now, because it's coming across very easily in the name of your show, Disabled and Proud, it comes through that you kind of have a screw it attitude. I mean, as in the problem is the other people. Yeah. And you're proud of yourself. Yeah. And you've got I that mean, inside of you. Yeah. I think, I think I've always been that way. I think disabled or not, I probably would still be like a, I'm going to do this no matter what kind of person. Um, but like, I've always just known that like, for me, prosthetics is never the way. And it was hiding something that actually like, why can't I be proud of this? Why can't I be happy that I only have one hand? Why do I need to have this or like something false to be happy and fit in? So I've always been like, no, that's not who I am. I'm very much the gal with one hand. I'm so happy with that. People know my name. I'm probably going to give you something to stare at. Like that's always been me. Yeah. So. And I'm really happy with that. And I've always been very secure in that as well. But in terms of like hiding stuff, not really. Like I know who I am at my like core and I've only got one hand and I'm not going to hide that for anyone. I am who Good. I am. You're going to like it or lump it. And if you don't like it, then that says a lot more about you than it does about me. Excellent. Excellent. I, I raped the kids, two from Romania and three from Ethiopia. So the three from Ethiopia were black and we ran across those same sort of things about and trying to get it into their heads. It's their problem. It's not yours. One time my son, uh, Andy hopped in the car after I picked him up from uh, kindergarten and he, and he said, Tata, which is for father, uh, when am I going to turn white? So exactly oh. what you're saying. Yeah. He's five years old, six years old, because we held him back for a year. Man, I didn't know what to say. So it is yeah. a problem with other people, but we still put it inside ourselves. I mean, I was 35 and I lost both hands and parts of both feet. Like, mm -hmm. holy shit. So I want to get into talking about you being born with compared to myself or others that lose things and how that there might be similarities or contrasts between them. But um, let's talk about the word disabled for a second. Now, in X-Men, they're, they're called mutants, which is kind of mm -hmm. cool. Like, let's call ourselves mutants. But <laughs> at times, does that society... You know, do they label us as mutants or does it feel as if we are considered mutants? I mean, what's your, what's your take? I mean, it goes along with what you're just saying, but is there more to it about society? So it's a really interesting one, isn't it? Because I love the word disabled because it describes exactly what I am. But also the idea that this world was not built for me is not my fault. So therefore, the world around me also disables me. And like, if we're really going to like go back to is it epistemology, I think that's where like the root cause of like how you get a word. Disabled literally means that the society around you doesn't work or like there is a missing link. And I love it because, yes, I am disabled. This world was not built for me to succeed in. It wasn't like, you know, we the world was built for people with two hands and two legs probably white male that's what the world was built for you to succeed in and, and oh yeah not, like you know that's not the case for me I mean yes I'm white yes I have blonde hair and blue eyes but 
I also don't have a hand, which, you know, actually makes things like really simple stuff can actually be quite difficult. And a lot of people don't really realize that. But I love it. Like, I love being disabled. There is so much power and fight and grit in all disabled people that how could I not be proud of it? And if I wasn't proud of it, I feel like it's a disservice to the people who came before me who did fight for all the things that we have now. And I feel like I've got to carry on that fight for the people who are going to come up behind me. Because if I don't, like, that's not fair for them. I like that. I mean, to me, I don't like the word disabled because I see it from the front end where mm-hmm. it, the, word, the, the portion of it is dis, unable to. And I've been trying to fight that. <laughs> well, it's, this, is, uh, this summer will be my 30th anniversary um, from uh, losing my hands from an illness. But yeah. I get it from where you're coming from. I try to look at it more of a adaptive community. So what are some of the adaptations that you maybe came up with as a kid? Do you remember some of those? I mean, you probably still have them and, and you use them. So it's really interesting. I actually had a conversation with a guy who was involved in some form of accident, lost his arm and was asking me the exact same questions. And I had to be really honest. I was like, I I don't know. I I couldn't tell you because this has been my entire life. So I don't actually know what adaptions that I make. Like, obviously I tie my shoes differently. I drive my car a bit differently. Like sometimes I open a door a bit differently. I'm a bit stuck if the toilet roll is on the left hand side, like on the right hand side of the bathroom, like that can throw me. But actually when it comes down to things that like involved in adaption, I don't really know the answer because it's just been my everyday. And I think what you were touching on about, you know, if you acquire your disability and you are born disabled, there is a massive difference because your life literally turns in an instant because Mm. you had something and then you don't have it. And then this whole world is completely, you, you kind of realize that the world is not necessarily built for people who are disabled. And that's something to take in, but also how you navigate your body in that space completely changes. And so there is a huge difference between people who acquire their disability and people who are born disabled, because people who are born disabled like don't know any different. But obviously, like you were saying, like you, you became ill and then the world changed for you because mm-hmm. then you suddenly didn't fit into this world in a way that you did before. And so I always think it's a fascinating conversation because there are so many differences, but also so many similarities because at base level, the world is still not built for us, but how we got there is completely different. I like that. I mean, I, I continue to learn from my guests and now I'm <laughs> stepping away well, that's what we're doing. Yeah. I, I just yeah. love it. Now I want to change lanes here <clears throat> in a recent post. You wrote success is not an overnight achievement. This is going back to what you were saying before. And it's no secret that it takes a considerable amount of time and effort to reach your goals. When you live in a world that never is never built to accommodate you and your existence, this challenge is even more daunting. Um, yeah. especially for individuals with disabilities. I'll, I'll skip that paragraph. And I want to, I want to jump to something that was included in this. This will take us in a different direction. You wrote, to me, the disabled community exudes more power than the non-disabled among us. Could you go into that more, please? Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. I love that because it takes so much fight 
like it takes fight for anybody to be successful but it takes way more fight for a disabled person to be successful because you are up against people who are you know this world is built for them if you're disabled and you are still trying to fight that fight and you are handling everything that life throws at you ableism you know maybe you're unwell at the time your disability and you're still succeeding you are juggling way more than anybody who is not disabled so how could you not have more grit and how could you not have more power like how the maths doesn't maths so it makes way more Mm. sense that actually people who are disabled and are successful are way more powerful than those who aren't like who are successful but not disabled they just have to think about getting up and doing their job whereas disabled people have to think about getting up how are they going to navigate this world how are they going to navigate their disability today maybe they don't feel the best maybe they have a chronic illness on top of their disability loads of other different pieces of the puzzle have to be thought about before you actually get to the part where you become successful so i think any successful disabled person is just an absolute warrior I want to touch on something though, Brooke, what about political correctness? I mean, when you're talking like that, I know that most of the people, 80% or more of the people listening to this show, this episode in particular are going to be disabled. But if other quote, normal, non-disabled, how's that play it safe? Hear this. Isn't that going to make them a little, Oh boy, she's, you know, she really has uh, something to say about this. I don't know. What about the political correctness? Do you ever hold back around the different groups you might be with? Because, dude, you just lay it out there, and I appreciate it. Um, probably not. I think I've I've always been a really straight shooter. <laughs> like, I honestly, I think there's no point in filtering these types of conversations because, yes, it's ultimately incredibly uncomfortable to be told that you are part of a society that's making it harder for someone else to succeed. That's uncomfortable, regardless of where you sit on the political spectrum. It really doesn't matter. But the only way that we learn is through being uncomfortable. And that's like a scientific fact. That's like well-documented that we only grow when we go through something that's difficult or hard. So I think, yes, these conversations are hard. They're not nice. They involve a lot of self-reflection. They involve reflection of society and how it works. But the only way that we get better is to have these conversations that aren't necessarily nice, that aren't necessarily comfortable, Mm -hmm. that make you reflect and realize where you may have been part of the problem. And, you know, how do we grow if we don't have these uncomfortable conversations? Like, we can't all sit around and and sing about it. Like, it doesn't work like that. (laughs) Well, in that same and you just framed it up real well, but in that same uh, post you wrote, you finish it up with, and let's be honest, who doesn't love a rebel? Yeah. Right. That's it in a nutshell. Yeah. Who doesn't? So let's, you know, (laughs) let's be rebels out there and let's, let's go for something, which is exactly what has changed in my show. And that's the type of person that I I want on the show. So I want to shift gears again and let's get into your podcast uh disabled and proud but first we're gonna we're gonna pause for a couple of seconds in case somebody wants to drop an ad here okay now i've listened to your shows here and there and even your mini episode and i would say you're smooth comfortable professional did you do speaking before you started doing your podcast sorry i didn't quite hear that what was the question well from from reading or excuse me from listening i to your some of your podcasts i really came away with how smooth and comfortable you are behind the mic. And I was wondering, I mean, you come across professional. 
have you done this before? Don't get no. a big head <laughs> by me asking you that. Oh no, that actually that genuinely means a lot because before this I'd never done any like interviewing of any type. I just thought I would love to hear these conversations about people who are disabled and they're actually really proud of being disabled because those conversations like you can't necessarily get them in the mainstream so why mm. not create it but that's a whole other conversation but that really means a lot because I haven't ever done any formal training on interviewing or interview technique I just really like chatting to people and I really like like as you said you always learn something new and I love learning I'm mm. a big believer in the fact that if you stop learning you start dying so for me, it's like, I love to learn as much as I can. And I think the best way, particularly around this topic, as you said, you know, talking about political correctness, talking to other disabled people and how they view disability is also so imperative to get a much wider span of what disability actually is. And I just love having the opportunity to learn from other people and, and that people trust me to like come on my podcast and have a conversation with me and trust me with their stories and and I hope people go away having a good time. <laughs> yeah, I I did. You've got some interesting topics and we'll talk about them later. But <clears throat> first, I want to talk about the title, Disabled and Proud. I mean, boom, it gets to the point. That's it in a nutshell. Just simple. Disabled and Proud. Did you consider other titles? Or is that no. just boom? And I, I got it. And it was, you it was always going to be disabled and proud regardless. I, like that was that it was it literally like came to me in a vision and I was like, it can't be anything else. It has to be that because it says exactly what it does. Like it's exactly what it says on the tin. There's like, you can't confuse it for anything else. Yeah. What's the tin? Oh, you a said can. It, what was what a can have to do with your show? Oh, so like there's a phrase in England that's like, it does exactly what it says on the tin. So actually, I think it was an advert for Ron Seal, which is like fence paint. And the tagline was, it does exactly what it says on the tin. And so like a lot of things in England, if, if something's quite straight shooting, you'll be like, oh, it does exactly what it says on the tin. And so okay. that's what the podcast is like. It does. Exactly okay. And talking about political correctness, we probably can't be using a, a straight shooter anymore over here in the United States because there's shootings going on all over. So, yep. Okay. It's on the tin. I might start using that. <laughs> I don't know. People probably look at me weird. What are you, English? No, but I know one. Um, <laughs> have you found any evidence of non-disabled non listeners listening to your show? I can't find yeah. any information, but I'm just assuming. Yeah, how do you? Yeah, so a lot of, um, it's actually medical professionals take quite a lot away from the show, okay, which makes cool. me really happy because I yeah. think, you know, as disabled people like you'll know this i know this is that quite a lot of our time when we go to see medical professionals it's spent educating them about our disability because exactly nine times out of ten they're not a disabled doctor so it's quite nice to know that like my show even though they're listening to you know sometimes really like hearted conversations or you know struggles that people have with their disability they're taking something away from it and, and able to implement it into their practice which i think mm -hmm. How amazing is that? Like, maybe I've just made someone's day a bit easier because they listen to my podcast. Like, that's unreal. Yeah, that's cool. How long has your show been running? Do you know how many so, episodes you've done? Yeah, it's just hit the one year mark. So I've been doing oh, cool. it consistently uh, for a year, which is 52 episodes. 53 was last week and 54 goes live this Wednesday, which is like, it's so crazy to me because I'm like... <gasps> 
that's 54 conversations I've had with 54 <laughs> different people and and like they've all come on my show and they've all wanted to be a part of it which is amazing and I'm could have I genuinely couldn't be more thankful and more grateful for the guests that come on because and like I had no idea where this was gonna go when I started it I honestly didn't even know if I'd get past like episode five and it's just grown into its own little thing and it's like my little baby it's my firstborn <laughs> <laughs> it's growing up oh my god it's a diaper stage uh now folks that are listening to the show should know that there's there's a link to disabled and proud uh on information on on uh, life's a road trip what's the target length of your episodes or you just wing it so i just wing it i like to see where it goes um i don't really have a target market of people that i want to listen to it i always think about who could this benefit and every episode is completely different because i wanted mm. to get a broad span of disability not just like oh it's all limb different or it's all people who use wheelchairs or it's all ex-military because that's not disability disability it isn't a monolith this you know this one size fit all doesn't exist so even trying to niche it down into who i want my target to be is kind of impossible so you know if you're disabled or non-disabled like you should listen to it because you're probably going to learn something <laughs> yeah that's a good point i, I want to jump into something that i found uh that you wrote uh how many times have you convinced yourself that you don't measure up specifically there's a notion you're not quote, disabled enough to discuss this disability. This is a topic that have been brought up numerous times on my podcast, Disabled and Proud. What do you mean by not being disabled enough? So it's really interesting. And I think it's particularly women that I've had on the podcast that have had this notion that they're not disabled enough to talk about disability. And I think it all kind of stems from the idea that all disability is physical so that you you kind of have to see it to believe it and I know a lot of women and I feel like I can say that because I've interviewed so many now who have you know chronic or invisible illnesses where the, the naked eye cannot see them and you know that they, they don't know at what point are they disabled enough to start talking about the issues that they face and actually the idea that you aren't disabled enough and yet the world still inhibits how you survive or how you live like, isn't that wild that you still don't think that you're disabled enough just because you can't see your disability mm -hmm. so that's kind of where that came from and i think you know dis accepting disability is absolutely a journey and it's a completely different journey for everyone else but when you start to think oh am i disabled enough that's when you absolutely are without a shadow of a doubt interesting so let's go back to your first episode. Uh, yeah. It was, uh, it's all about mindset with Lou Hawkins, who is an, mm -hmm. adapt uh, an adaptive CrossFit athlete and personal trainer. What was your comfort level with you know, starting that first show? How were you doing? Uh, did you have stage fright? <laughs> I, yeah, I was like, I was nervous, but also I know Lou. And Lou really helped me out in my CrossFit journey, which why it made sense for her to be my first guest. And um, she is, she's genuinely incredible. Like she was a lovely, lovely guest to have. And also a very interesting guest to have because the conversation didn't go the way I thought it was going to go, which actually I learned a lot more from than had it gone exactly the way that I wanted it to. And I, I get quite emotional in the episode because I say to her like, this wouldn't be here and this wouldn't exist if it wasn't for you turning up online 
And that's 100% true because if I'd never seen Lou doing CrossFit, I wouldn't probably have never thought that well that's a lie I, I would have been able to do it but I wouldn't have been able to see someone like me do it and I would have mm. been that person so it was quite nice to see someone else who looked like me doing it and someone who I could ask questions and she had the answers and I didn't have to figure it out all 100% for myself but that first conversation like I remember thinking this is this is when I, I realized that I, I've actually started a podcast and this is going to be a real thing and I'm actually mm. recording and it's wild because you know you think about it's a journey isn't it like your first one is never going to be that great so the idea that it oh, was going to be like amazing <laughs> off the bat is it's so crazy but I learned I've learned so much since then but I do I love that episode because it's the first time that I was super super raw on on a podcast and I'm like I'm super lucky that I got to do that and and especially with Lou who's such a safe pair of hands so yeah I mean it, it's changed a lot since then the questions are still pretty much the same but um i feel like i've got better at navigating people which is nice well some of your topics and i'll, I'll read a few of these uh shifting the paradigm and seeing things differently with sophie buck telling my story with photography uh, mm -hmm. be who you are with ali mason shouting out about discrimination that one made me pause and i want to talk about that because discrimination it's a pretty powerful word and there are a lot of different avenues you can you can pull off into uh do you find this to vary as your uh your existence experience has been consistent in any way do you find that your view on the word discrimination has changed it's a really interesting one isn't it because i think actually discrimination changes on where you are so yeah. i think the US version of discrimination and the UK version of discrimination are two very different things. But at baseline, they still mean the same thing, even though mm. our interpretations of it are very different. Um, but yeah, like I, I think it's a really difficult one, isn't it? Because disability discrimination exists. Yes. Discrimination because of the color of your skin exists. Yes. At baseline, they are both discrimination. Yes. They both affect what happens to that person, how that person feels, how that person thinks, how they approach certain situations. But because of our, like, going back to that whole, like, are we being politically correct? Going back to that political climate, it's a very, very difficult one to navigate. So I still think that disabled people, and, and like, they 100% get discriminated against. It's it's hard not to see it. Um, but it is, I think the UK well, and the US version you... is very different. I'm sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Talking uh, pubs and bars in different, both those countries are, are different about how things go. Now, one of your guests, Nina Tamay, I'm hopefully I'm pronouncing your last name properly. Nina shouting Tame. out about this group. What is it? Tame. It's just that simple. Just that simple. Tame. Yeah. Okay. So I think it should be Tamay. She talks about, <laughs> <laughs> tell her that she talks about ableism and she mm -hmm. says that uh, the discrimination of and social prejudice against people with disabilities based on the belief that typical abilities are superior. Holy cow. I mean, she lays it out there too. Mm -hmm. um, Nina is that, incredible at taking quite a complex idea and making it incredibly simple to understand and breaking it to the point where you're like, yeah, I understand that. It, she takes it right down to the rudimentary blocks and that's incredible. It's a skill to have. That's an important thing with what you're saying before that 
let's talk about things. Let's not be afraid to bring them up. And that's why you and I are both doing our podcast in different ways, but we're still doing the same thing. We're trying to be disruptors. Let's, let's get shit out there and let's talk about it. Um, another point it came up with, I believe this was a show, be confident in your disability. And that goes back to what you were saying and a couple of bullet points that I made. Do you think, uh, this is, this differs between those who are, Oh yeah, this is what we were talking about, uh, with disability and those who become disabled, you know, how we view ourselves, you pointed on it so well. And I, I learned from it right from the start because my perspective is something that happened to me and that's how I look mm-hmm. at it. Something happens to me. You were born with, so therefore I think that you more easily able to grasp it. And like you said, well, you didn't have to adapt because you were born that way. Great way of looking at it. But here, here's a, maybe, maybe this will touch on something different in our, in our way, because now that I, I look at my question, I think it, it has a different meaning than I thought, because I was going to ask you about the uh, disability experience of the five stages of grief. Well, hell, you wouldn't have gone through grief. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. You didn't go through any of that because that's just how you grew up. Mm-hmm. But are there any of those that you had to deal with, especially in those young teen years with people that might have been picking on you? Like, did you go through anything about denial? As in what I asked, and you said you didn't hide things. But Chris Rudin, whose show is dropping tomorrow, he hid things. Maybe that's a male thing. That could be. What about anger? Did you ever get just throw a tantrum. Well, you probably did with the hooks. Did you ever throw the, your prosthetic? No, like I've never, I've never been like angry about any of it. I just know that like, this is who I am. So I I can accept it or I can't. And I, I said this actually to Dan Richards, who incredible cyclist, incredible story. Um, But I said to him, I was like, "The, the thing is like, you either accept who you are with your disability. And I'm very aware that it's very different for me to say this because I was born this way. So like you said, I haven't had to adapt. You either mm-hmm. accept your disability or you sink. And I quite like swimming. I'm a relatively good swimmer and I want to <laughs> succeed. So, you know, got to keep swimming, got to keep moving. And this is why I always say that the, the journey to accepting disability is incredibly different for everyone because acquiring a disability and being born disabled are two very, very different things. But that doesn't mean that people who are born disabled don't go through that journey of acceptance Mm. because like think about nine times out of 10 disabled children aren't born to disabled parents. So there's a whole culture, there's a whole creative space that the parents don't necessarily know about because it's not something that's mainstream as much as we wish it was. And it should be, it's not right now. So there's still that level of you're still trying to navigate your way in this world. It's just different and you're not necessarily exposed to that. So you're exposed to the non-disabled the entire time until such a time where you kind of research things for yourself because we all know that disability history is not taught in schools. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a, it, again, it is a journey of acceptance. But I think because I come from a very straight up family, like we don't really talk bullshit it's very much like cut and dry that I'm probably very the same and that's probably why I'm so just like accepting of who I am because I'm like yeah this is who I am this is going to be my life forever and people used to say like oh you you've lost your arm and I'd be like 
it's not lost. I'm not going to find it down the back of the sofa. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't exist. Like, oh, the idea good. that I lost it is is actually ludicrous because, oh, look, mum, look what I found. I found my missing hand. <laughs> like, it's not going to happen that way, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Were either of your parents disabled or did you have, no? Did no, you have any siblings? No, and it's just me as well, which I think, I think I came along and they're like, she's way too much to deal with. We do not need another. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Let's, let's, uh, let's go over to your website. I just opened it up on, uh, on YouTube. I want to talk about some stuff because there's some new things there since uh, last time I looked. You've got one right on the top, exposing the disability community. It's only two minutes and 43 seconds long. Is that yours? Did you take a snippet? Out of yeah, that. that's a snippet from a conversation of this week's podcast with um Ashley Archer. He I, that when I opened that this morning, in prep for this show, I looked and went, "What the hell?" Exposed into disabled community, you're throwing gasoline on a fire. It almost seems so. Could you summarize what that discussion came out to be? <laughs> Exposing of what? So. Like you're in the disabled community, so you're going to understand what I say when I mean inspiration okay. porn. So inspiration porn is that idea that we, um, the disabled community is used to inspire you to do better if you are not disabled and or it can make you feel worse about yourself because the disabled person is succeeding and you are not, which might seem like a compliment, but actually it's incredibly, can I, can I say, can I swear? Hell yeah. Okay, so it's actually incredibly fucked up. Like, it's super, super messed up that we take someone's disabled body and take their success and mm. be like, oh, my God, that's so amazing because they're disabled, not because actually it's a fantastic achievement in general. Like, that in and out of itself is a fucking problem. But yeah. there are still a lot of people within the disabled community who don't necessarily actually help that idea in the disabled community. And they portray the whole heavy inspiration porn to get more likes and more views and, and to succeed further and quicker. And, and I get it because some people are 110% super inspirational, but they're not inspirational because they're disabled. They're just inspirational because they work hard and what they do is cool. The mm -hmm. idea that someone is more inspirational because they're disabled is it's it's a really interesting like paradox isn't it because yes disabled people work harder and they have more power and they achieve more and they have to navigate a lot more so yes that's inspirational but at the same time inspiration porn is the idea that they're just better because they're disabled full stop not because they're actually good at what they do okay i, I like that another one you've got <clears throat> use your disadvantage use your disadvantage crap <laughs> we're oh, yeah. still going hopefully we didn't lose that whole other episodes because i got on my side that we had a lost connection and now it's restarting yeah it it's yeah it's like it's not restarted on my side it's still oh, here so fingers crossed that's all good i hope it saved it we're using riverside who always says that they're the best well i hope the hell they're the best here or else we got a problem <laughs> so i was talking about and I, on uh, your youtube website uh use your disadvantage to your advantage so summarize that. What do you mean by that? I think in a world where you are not built for this world, if you can use that to, you know, advantage yourself, I don't necessarily think it's the right word, but if you can use it in your favor, okay, then why wouldn't you? Because the world isn't built for you. So like if I can use it to make something better, then that would be a good thing. 
yeah. I think advantage and disadvantage. I think sometimes it really works and sometimes it really doesn't. And I also think you've got to be very, very careful in what situation you're using it in because I don't necessarily know if I would say use your disadvantage to your advantage because I think that can be quite polarizing and quite uncomfortable. But if you're able to use your difference to help other people, then that's a good thing fundamentally. Just okay. essentially, I think all disabled people are like normal people and you can be disabled and you can also be a dick. So just don't be a dick about being disabled. Makes sense. There you go. Put it in a nutshell again. Yeah. Just don't, don't be a dick. We could put that on t-shirts. <laughs> okay. Honestly, like I, I actually, the people that I work with, God love them. That's like my favorite phrase is just don't be a dick. Don't be a and dick. Like, okay. For Christmas, they got me like a, a desk placard that just says, don't be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh god oh friends sometimes hey um let's start wrapping it up we've got one question for you before we do the uh um little thing with the five questions in the road trip roundup what's next for you i mean you just passed one year it's not necessarily on the podcast but just in general what's next for you oh that's a really exciting question because i just i really want to grow this podcast like I, 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 I love it so much and I'm so proud of what it is doing um, and the places that it could go are just phenomenal. So like I'm going to pour more I can into the podcast to make it grow and just see what happens from there really. Like I would love for it to go worldwide. I would love to take it on tour. I would love to like have these conversations on like a mass global level and mm. and just like remind everyone that yes being disabled is not the easiest it absolutely is not this world is not built for you but you can still be proud of that and you can still be a very proud disabled person there is no shame in disability there is no you know there is upset and there is grief but you you don't need to be upset about it all the time you can be so proud of yourself and your achievements and yeah I just I kind of want to see where it goes myself. Like I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, by passing the uh, one year mark, you know, it, I always, I learned early on, it's not what you know, but who, you know, and sometimes mm -hmm. those things come together and it takes you in a different direction. But speaking of directions, let's see, I might've been messed up with this. Hopefully this plays. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear that? I okay, did. good. So it worked. <laughs> Thank you, Riverside. You didn't mess me up on that. So that sound of the VW Beetle means that it's time to shift gears with the Road Trip Roundup. Uh, Brooke, these are five questions related to, for you, related to your road trip experiences, okay? Okay. Number one, when road tripping, do you tend to do fast food or local diners? Oh, local diners, 100%. Oh, yeah. I, that, I learned this long ago, starting to do the shows. Sue and I went on a trip lately, and, yep, we do local diners because, uh, again, we're learning. There you go. You probably don't have as many fast food. No, you don't. I mean, you've got them no, throughout London uh, somewhat. Yeah, that's true. London's amazing for food. But I um, <laughs> I did a whole road trip and like an actual road trip around the US because I used to live in New York when I was a bit younger. Oh, cool. And so we did this massive road trip and we learned very, very quickly just to stay where, go where all the locals go because it's going to be way better than like Chick-fil-A. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so true. Okay. <clears throat> What's your dream car for a road trip? That could be something your parents had when you were growing up, something you have now, or something, say, you would be cool to, to rent to go on a road trip. 
Ooh, so like, I'm not necessarily the most carsy person, but the one car that I think about a lot is a Rolls Royce Silver Shadow. <laughs> oh my God. Do you have Grey Poupon? <laughs> yeah, so I like, I'm obsessed with that. Like I, like, I can literally see it in my mind. That's the car that I want to get married in. Like, that would wow. be the car that takes me to my wedding. Um, and I just wow. think they're so carsy like that. I'm a big lover of like old school vintage. Like I think they're super romantic. Okay. I like so smooth. I just think there's nothing better. <laughs> I love some of the uh, the uh, uh, roadster cars and sports cars you guys brought over to America. MG uh, MGBs, uh, Triumphs. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Number three. Uh, you might be a little bit young on this, but mm, you're right on the edge. I'll bet. Last cassette, if you even know what a cassette is, or CD. That played while you were on a road trip. Okay, so <laughs> oh shit, she's laughing. What's this gonna be? <laughs> so I used to work at summer camps in America, and I have oh, a friend God. who would buy, like, you know, the like one dollar bargain bucket. He would buy every summer a new CD from the bargain oh, bucket, it. and that would okay. be what you would only listen to in his car. So if he was driving, that's all that you would listen to. So I actually think the last time I listened to a CD was in his car and it was the Jersey Boys soundtrack. Oh, God. <laughs> I saw the show. I mean, it was a good show, but you guys trying to drive yourselves crazy just constantly over and over on the same thing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. To each his own. <laughs> okay. Straight up. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. 100%. Any, any one of their types as in do you have yeah you have coke zero over there i get cooked on coke yeah. zero when we're yeah, yeah. okay uh, i'm i love a vanilla coke i love a oh. vanilla coke love them i think they're great but i try i don't necessarily drink it that often like i have mm. to be quite hungover to drink coke need all the, like, <laughs> that's a different show bro it gives me <laughs> okay all right i have to be hungover okay all right this one is so interesting i'm glad i do this because it allows people to just carry off into their background. But what's your favorite road trip memory? Oh, I think it was probably my, like when I did the whole big road trip of the US. So I was with a group of, there was, I think it was five, six of us. And we drove from Vegas to the Grand Canyon. And that's like not a long, no, it is a long trip. It's like seven hours, right? Seven hours yeah. there, seven hours back. And I remember that day, like, just, we were in the car for so long that I think we reached mass hysteria and we just couldn't stop laughing. And it wasn't anything in particular. We were just laughing at each other and the whole experience and the fact that we were in Vegas and we were driving to the Grand Canyon. And it was just one of those days where I look back and I'm like, yes, it was absolute God awful to be in a car for seven hours. But it was some of my favorite people and it was the best time ever. And then we got to see the Grand Canyon and we were only there for like, 40 minutes and then we got another That's it. seven hour journey back. So you pulled up into one of the a rest stop or something, went out, looked down and said, Oh, okay, that's cool. And then you basically went back to the car and drove back to Vegas. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. We got to like where we wanted to get to. We went to like the south side or something. I can't quite remember. Got there and it was like just before closing. They only had like 40 minutes left and we were like, Well, we better we might as well make the best of it. Got our pictures had like a cute little time yeah, there you go just took it all in and then we're like all right we've got to got to go back now <laughs> <laughs> oh well well you're going back to vegas there's so much to do there hey 
we're going to wrap up and I want us to stay on for a minute, but I'm just going to say to our listeners, challenge, relax, everybody, and keep listening to Life's a Road Trip. Thanks for listening. Check out previous episodes with new ones dropping each Tuesday. If you don't see a synopsis of this show where you're listening, visit our website at lifesaroadtrip.podbean.com for more information on this week's guest. This is your host, Scott Martin, reminding you that life's a road trip.